Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to Haunted Road, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you so much for listening to Haunted Road. If you'd like to meet me in person, I have a ton of fall tour dates coming up. I'll be heading to California, Arizona, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Wisconsin, and Ohio to name a few. So get those dates at amy-bruni.net. That's B-R-U-N-I dot net. Also, if you want to take a spooky vacation, as always, check out my travel company, Strange Escapes, at strange-escapes.com.
I often wonder if my internet search histories have been flagged by some sort of law enforcement, because let me tell you, it's grisly. When I'm trying to find the origin of a haunting, I'm all over research websites entering lovely search terms like murder, execution, suicide, decapitation, serial killer, drowning, fatality, you name it. There has to be a file on me somewhere. Whoever is keeping that file, if you're listening, it's all in the name of research, okay? With that, I started researching the location we're covering on this episode of Haunted Road, and it took me mere minutes to come up with some doozies. We'll learn even more than this later, but here is just a taste of what I was able to come up with in newspaper archives alone. From the Lancaster Intelligencer on May 7, 1814, Two soldiers were shot at Fort Mifflin near Philadelphia on Thursday last for the crime of desertion. It is well to notice such instances, for it sometimes becomes necessary that lenity should give place to law as a warning to deter others from like aggravated offenses. From the Lancaster Intelligencer on November 23, 1819, Captain Robinson, on board of a sloop from this place, which was aground near Red Bank opposite Fort Mifflin on Sunday last, distinctly saw a duel fought on the shore near him by persons who he had seen cross in boats from the fort. At the first fire, one of the parties fell and was conveyed across the river, mortally wounded, as far as the captain could judge from appearance. Probably the parties were officers, and the victim, no doubt, has not only thrown away his own life, but may have willfully added to the list of widows and orphans, and carried mourning and distress into many families of relatives, and severe regret to many more friends. The Daily Record, January 23, 1913. The body of a man found floating in the Delaware Bay near here is supposed to be that of Freeman Muncie, who lived at 2028 Ann Street, Philadelphia. Munsey left his home November 17th to go down to Fort Mifflin in a launch. He fell overboard while taking a snapshot of a passing boat. The Pittston Gazette, September 1st, 1864. W.M. Howe, charged with desertion and murder, was executed yesterday at Fort Mifflin. And these are just the tip of the iceberg. So, if I have your morbid interest piqued and you're ready to hear about one of the most haunted forts I have ever visited, and I've visited many, let's sit back and take a little trip to Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Amy Bruni, and this is Haunted Road. Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is so historic that it even predates the Revolutionary War. By day, it's a grassy oasis surrounded by water in the middle of the city, offering tours of America's oldest active military fort, complete with historical reenactments and weapons demonstrations. But at night, things change. The stone walls of the fort echo with disembodied screams, faceless entities lurk in darkened corners, a ghostly lamplighter roams the corridors, his torch seeking out candles that burned out over 200 years ago. Violent apparitions throw rocks in areas that once housed the most reviled prisoners in the fort, and in the cemetery, a long-gone headstone that once read, Stop, reader, drop a friendly tear, for youth and innocence lie here. With its history of intense battles and of contentious executions, it's no wonder Fort Mifflin claims to be one of the most haunted places in America. 
1772, British soldiers began construction on a fort surrounded by a moat on the west bank of the Delaware River near its confluence with the Schuylkill. Originally called Mud Island Fort for its location on what was known as Mud Island, the structure was prized for its location at the confluence of two major rivers. Even the peaceful Quaker William Penn observed that the spot provided ideal anchorage for the British warships that would protect Philadelphia, his planned city of brotherly love. As Jeffrey Dorwart explained in his book, Fort Mifflin of Pennsylvania, an illustrated history, Dorwart called Fort Mifflin a low-lying earth and stone fortification arranged in an irregular star-shaped design. Star-shaped forts were popular in Europe starting in the 1500s and appeared in early American forts like the Castillo de San Marcos in St. Augustine, Florida, Fort McHenry in Baltimore, Maryland, and Fort Ticonderoga in upstate New York. Though Fort Mifflin has additions built in the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries, it has largely been restored to how it would have looked in 1834. There are 14 restored buildings on the property. The fort offers daily weapons demonstrations, and those 14 authentic restored buildings include casemates, which are the areas from which guns and cannons were fired, the Northeast Bastion, the Arsenal, soldiers' barracks, officers' quarters, and a blacksmith shop. While there is still a cemetery area on property, the graves have been moved off-site. Author Jim Cheney wrote that the fort is still technically an active base for the United States Army Corps of Engineers, who have a modern-day base located next door. This makes the fort the oldest active military base in the U.S. and the only base on American soil to predate the Declaration of Independence. Though construction on Fort Mifflin was started in 1772 by British soldiers, they eventually abandoned the effort. Fort Mifflin's original purpose was to defend against foreign enemies, but by 1773, funding for construction had dried up and dissent from American colonists was a bigger concern than foreign attacks. When the colony of Pennsylvania resumed construction in 1775, it was to build a fort to defend Philadelphia against British forces. In 1777, the British attacked the revolutionary troops garrisoned at the fort, pummeling its walls with more than 10,000 cannonballs, making it the greatest bombardment of the American Revolution. One soldier who fought in the battle, Private Joseph Martin, wrote of his experience, Here I endured hardships sufficient to kill half a dozen horses. I saw men who were stooping to be protected by the works, but not stooping low enough, split like fish to be broiled. Our men were cut up like cornstalks. After five intense days, the Continental Army had no choice but to retreat, fleeing the fort on November 15, 1777. Though the soldiers never officially surrendered and counterintuitively, their fight was a pivotal moment in the American success in the war. Rene Gordon wrote in the Philadelphia Sunday Sun, As a result of the valiant defense, two British ships were destroyed, the supply line was disrupted, and Washington's army was given time to move to Valley Forge to reassemble. Because of this valuable time bought by the bombardment, Fort Mifflin is sometimes called the fort that saved America. During the War of 1812, a soldier was executed for his third offense of desertion, but Fort Mifflin didn't see any significant action until the Civil War when it was used as a prison. In August 1864, Private William Howe, who we spoke of earlier, a Union soldier, was executed there, and his death became something of a public spectacle. Though he had been a distinguished veteran of the Battle of Fredericksburg, 
Howe left his post to seek medical treatment, likely for a case of chronic diarrhea. Once he had escaped and returned to his home and family, an officer came to arrest him for desertion, at which time Howe shot and killed the man. Abraham Lincoln himself approved the death sentence, possibly to show other deserters that he meant business. While awaiting execution, Howe tried to escape by tunneling out of the fort, but he was discovered. Tickets were sold to his hanging, and according to the Baltimore Sun, the execution was witnessed by a very large number of persons. Given that he fought so hard to escape and that his death was such a scene, it's not all that surprising that Howe's ghost is one of the most frequently reported in the fort. Visitors claim to see a man in Civil War garb roaming the grounds, sometimes sitting quietly and sewing in one of the casemates. They believe it's Howe because before he was hanged, he had a bag placed over his face, and when the apparition looks up from his sewing, he doesn't have a face. Witnesses refer to Howe's ghost as the faceless man. But he's not the only supernatural resident of Fort Mifflin, which describes itself as widely regarded as one of the most haunted sites in the country. People often report seeing an apparition known as the Lamplighter, who appears on the second floor balcony of the barracks. According to Ghosts of the Revolutionary War, the Lamplighter is said to be a man with black hair and a white puffy shirt who drifts through the soldiers' barracks, carrying a long pole with a dim candle at the end to light lamps that disappeared some 200 years ago. This ghost has been seen in the fort since the early 1900s, before it was declared a National Historic Monument in 1915, and before it was retired as a military post in 1954. A shadowy figure known as the blacksmith has been seen many times by visitors and employees in the blacksmith shop. Although there is no historical evidence to back up this claim, the ghost is said to be a man named Jacob Sawyer, who had a long-standing argument with the fort's commander about keeping the back door of the blacksmith shop open, which was against regulations. Darcy Ort wrote in Haunted Philadelphia that staff would constantly find the door open, even if they had locked it. The constant opening and closing caused the hinges to deteriorate until Jacob got his way. The door was permanently removed. Ort describes claims of a spirit opening and closing the doors in the blacksmith shop, swinging tools hanging on the wall, and moving objects around in the space. People also report the phantom sound of a hammer and anvil in the empty shop. One of Fort Mifflin's many haunts isn't seen but heard. The sounds that come from what's commonly referred to as the screaming lady, whose screams are so loud and so lifelike that both visitors and staff have called the police on many occasions thinking someone was in serious danger. The screams are said to come from the spirit of Elizabeth Pratt, an 18th century woman who once lived at the fort. A cemetery once stood just outside the northern gate of the fort, although the graves were moved in the late 1800s. One of those graves bore the name of Elizabeth Pratt, identifying those buried underneath, according to the Philadelphia Times, as the consort of Sergeant Sylvanus Pratt, aged 23 years and 18 days, who died the 11th of February, 1803. Also her daughter and infant son, both of whom died the year before. The legend written beneath this inscription, Stop, reader, drop a friendly tear, for youth and innocence lie here. The three allegedly died of fever. It's sometimes said that a figure of a woman seen peering out a second-story window in the officer's quarters, usually by children, could be Elizabeth, still looking for her children after all these years. 
Some believe the wails come from Pratt grieving her lost children, but there have been accounts of disembodied female screams as far back as 1778, according to Haunted Philadelphia, that people attributed to women mourning the men who died during the British attack on the fort. Now, before we dig too deep into the hauntings, let's bring someone on who is very knowledgeable about everything going on at Fort Mifflin. Up next, we'll be speaking with Greg O'Brien. Greg is a paranormal host and tour guide at Fort Mifflin, and he's been there for many, many years and has some amazing stories to share with us about the ghosts and history there. That is coming up after the break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. All right, I am sitting here with Mr. Greg O'Brien, who is the official paranormal host at Fort Mifflin. And it turns out we go way back. We've met a number of times at a number of different haunted locations, right, Greg? Yes, go back years. It's funny. I have been to Fort Mifflin a handful of times. I can't remember if I ever filmed there. I don't think I did. I've been there for events and for private investigations. And what I remember most about Fort Mifflin, besides it being amazingly historic and very haunted, is the airplanes and the mosquitoes that are as large as airplanes. Correct. Yes. (laughs) They, uh, July and August, I recommend don't be there at night. (laughs) Yeah, or have a healthy dose of bug spray. I think Josh Gates and I were in one of the, I can't remember where we were stationed. It was in one of the, what are those called? The The casemate. I think you guys were casemate five. Yeah, we were in casemate five inside, thought we were safe. No, we emerged with dozens of mosquito bites that night. (laughs) So, But it was well worth it. A lot happens at Fort Mifflin. It's a very well-known haunt. For people who ever fly into Philadelphia, you can see Fort Mifflin on the approach many times. So I always look for it when I'm landing, which also makes it an interesting place to investigate because you are fighting the sound of planes constantly. And I also heard stories about filming there. But I always tell people, If you can't figure out the difference between the way a ghost sounds and an airplane sounds, you might be in the wrong 
business. Correct. And, and that's a good way to teach people to tag their audio. Yeah. And it's surprising because when you investigate and you do get a sound of like maybe a truck in the distance or even an airplane, the way it presents on your recorder sounds infinitely different than you would expect. Sometimes it sounds like a growl. Sometimes it sounds like a voice just because it's not directly in front of the microphone. So it is really important, like you were saying, to tag it because you're not going to remember every time a airplane went through. Right. And they do slow down after midnight. Plus, once you're in the casemates and stuff and you're, you know, six feet of dirt over top of you, they're not so bad. Right, right. Well, that's helpful. So that being said, let's talk about some of the hauntings there because there are many. And, you know, I know that there's a lot to be seen and heard there. And I also know it kind of seems like it changes depending on when you're investigating. So what would you say is the most prevalent haunt encountered at Fort Mifflin? Well, we do have a revolutionary tour guide ghost. He comes out and does tours. We're open Wednesdays through Sundays. And during the week, if there's, we don't usually get school groups or whatnot, but there's times when there's, it's pretty dead Wednesday or Thursday. And you might have one or two people there at the fort and they come out of the fort and they start raving about this tour guide. And we ask them to describe this tour guide and they describe him in a revolutionary war uniform. And he goes into explicit details of the bombardment of the fort. And then when we tell them there is no tour guides during the week, only on the weekends, and you are the only one here, that pretty much freaks them out. He's been reported numerous, numerous times. So that's a nice, good example of an intelligent haunting. This guy just loves to talk about the bombardment. So you're saying that tour groups, school groups, they'll come in middle of the day, take a tour, and this mysterious tour guide dressed in Revolutionary War garb tells them the whole story and looks completely alive like you and me, but he's a ghost. He's a ghost. And it's usually over in the powder magazine. Yeah, people, you know, they've gone in there and then they've looked and he's standing by the door. Or I've seen a Revolutionary War soldier, but I've always been wanting him to give me a tour and I haven't gotten a tour from him yet. That's wild. I mean, this actually comes up a lot on the podcast, the more I talk to, and just in general investigating. How many times a spirit looks just like a living person? And it makes you wonder, like, how many times have we encountered a ghost and maybe even fully interacted with them and had no idea? Correct. You just don't know. Do you think this is actually a ghost from a Revolutionary War period? Or do you think this might be the ghost of some sort of reenactor who just really holds the fort dear to his heart? I really think it's a uh, ghost from the Revolution because the explicit details that he goes into, it's like, wow, you know, the stuff that you really didn't know. I have a theory when the fort, 1777, during the bombardment, there were deserters. And for whatever reason, when Washington retook Philadelphia, these deserters were still in Philadelphia and they got caught. And there was a massive hanging of 11 of these deserters on Market Street. It was a public hanging in Philadelphia. So my theory is I'm thinking, you know, they're sentenced for eternity to since they have deserted the fort is to be back at the fort to defend it, to spend their eternity there. So that's how I, what I think. Yeah, I mean, sort of like a self-imposed sentence, like they're kind of carrying over that guilt for what they did. That's a theory I've held to 
for sometimes for even like prisons and things, people always ask me like, why would someone stay there? And that's one explanation. I'm not sure if that's the case, but it's just, you know, when you try to kind of justify it, it does make sense per se. Okay. So that's a really interesting spirit that people could encounter any time of day. What else do you think people could encounter if they visit the fort? Well, uh, as I say, we have full bodies, shadow figures, noise, banging. We have our um, candlelight ghost walks in October and where we have the fort just lit up with lanterns and candles and we walk around with just lanterns. And during these tours, a lot of experiences happened. One year I had a group and we're coming in. I had a couple young, uh, young boys with me. Since it was a military fort, there were families there. So you had women and children. They did die at the fort and walk in. And there's two uh, children that I've seen quite a bit and they're notorious to be seen. And I think they're brother and sister. It's a little boy and a girl. And as we walk in, I, I could see him running around, but I didn't say anything. And we stood in front of the uh, bunk room, the enlistment office there. And I'm talking. And then I asked, anybody have any questions? Feel free to ask a question. There's no stupid question, except if you want to know why they built a fort so close to the airport. Um, <laughs> we get asked that all the time. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I have news for you. <laughs> Yep. So this little, one little boy raises his hand and he said, did any children die here at the fort? And I said, yes, it's documented. We had children die here at the fort and we're right on the Delaware. There's documentations of children that drowned and washing up on the shores. And I knew what the answer was going to be, but I asked him, I said, why are you asking that? And he said, uh, well, when we walked in, we saw these two little children running around playing. And I said, well, welcome to Fort Mifflin. You've experienced your first sighting of a ghost. Wow. I mean, those seem like very strong spirits for them to look so alive. Like, that's wild to me. And then I know that a big thing people see, and I, I experienced from the casemate, our shadow figures are seen yes. very regularly. And I mean, I would say it's almost a guarantee that if you, if you go there to investigate at night, you're going to encounter some sort of shadow figure. Has that been your experience as well? Oh, yes. They're, they dart all over the place. The last uh, big event there with the TAPS group, after everybody left, I was just standing there with the event organizer and uh, assistant and another friend of mine. We were just standing there. We were standing right in front of the uh, officer's quarters and we're looking out over. And all of a sudden we see this figure going across from like the armory, going walking across. And we're like, what the heck? So all of us go running over there and this figure ran over towards Casemate 11 and just disappeared. So we searched the whole fort again you know, we were the only ones there. So you see them quite regularly. Yeah. And it's not really an area that people are just going to kind of stumble into. It, it, yes, it's by the airport, but it is really set back away from everything. It's not in like a populated area or anything like that. And it's a fort. It's meant to keep people away. <laughs> so and now have you ever like felt personally afraid or like something there would ever harm you in any way? Uh, years ago, I used to go a lot, you know, investigate and then I volunteered and I just 
felt uneasy in casemate, go, walking past the casemate two, three, and four. They're the smaller ones. You have one at the beginning, the big one, and where the Confederate prisoners were. And then five is all the way at the end where the Union prisoners. And then there's three small ones. They, I just felt uneasy in those three. And then also the powder magazine. I could not go in by myself at night for years. Just didn't feel good. So eventually I forced myself to go in there and I sat in there with my back against the back wall, had my recorder going. I heard banging like a metal, banging on the wall coming towards me. And I just sat there like frozen. And then when I got out of there, when I played the recorder back, it was like somebody was standing right on top of me yelling, get out get out. I mean, it was like, it was like they were screaming. So, but eventually that was it. I got my fear. So. I mean, that's a pretty clear message. I always say that the two EVP that we get the most often, it's either get out or help me. Two very different messages, but those are really the two like top, (laughs) the top EVPs we get. So Casemate 11, is that the one that was uncovered later? Yes, that's the one where Grant has this experience there. Yes. Oh, that's right. And so I think I remember them sending Chris Williams down there by herself as well. So just a little background. I joined the team right around when they went and did this investigation, but I lived in California at the time. And so I was not flying to the East Coast yet. But Chris Williams and I were really close, are still very close. Anyways, I just remember her like telling me, you're not going to believe what they made me do. They made me climb down in this casemate all by myself. And first time she went down truly alone and brought like a, a handheld camera. And then I think that they wanted to get some better shots of her. So she went down again with a camera operator. And that was something that she always had to defend at paranormal events and things because people would say, you know, you weren't really down there by yourself. You had a camera operator. And she had to explain like the magic of TV that she did truly go down there by herself. But then they did send a camera operator down later to just get some additional shots of her down there. But she definitely went down there alone. People get very uncomfortable down there. They just don't feel right down there because that was solitary confinement. When it was first opened up and Chris went down there, they had to go down the ladder, but it's been excavated. So there is stairs to go down it, but still it's underground. It's a hole in the ground and it's very tight and people get very uneasy in there. I had a uh, family uh, to come out to do an investigation. It was the husband and wife and the two teenage sons came out. That night was just nuts off the charts. And we were in Casemate 11. Now there's two little rooms in Casemate 11, two separate cells. And so I was in the back cell with the wife and the one son. And then the other cell was the husband uh, and the other son. We're in there doing some EVPs and... It's pitch black. You can't see the hand in front of your face. So we're in there. And all of a sudden, this big bam right next to me. And they're like, what was that? And I said, well, I think something was thrown at me. So we (laughs) put the flashlight and there was a piece of brick that was right next to me. So uh, that was the only time I had something thrown at me. I just think they were trying to get my attention because it didn't hit me. It hit the wall. It was really loud. So that made their night. They became believers that night. Yeah, I don't think I even went down there. I'm not afraid of ghosts, but I I am hugely claustrophobic and I do not like being underground. Like I'm kind of anxiety ridden the whole time. So I remember I, I 
I might have, if I remember, if I went down there, I've blocked it out mentally. I don't think I did, though. Yeah, I don't think you did. No. So at that point, you're in the casemate and you have something thrown at you, which is very different from just kind of seeing, having someone explain the history, and by someone I mean a spirit, or seeing children playing. Have there ever been any other incidents of kind of aggressive type behavior, maybe towards people going there or toward investigators? We've had stuff move. The most aggressive that I know of, it was again during a uh, candlelight ghost tour and we're coming out of the casemates. And then as we're walking out, there was a gentleman with his girlfriend and he went up a little bit and hid in like casemate two. And as we walked by with the girlfriend, he jumped out and scared the bejesus out of her. She (laughs) freaked out Mm. and she was cursing him and yelling at him. And he was laughing. So he started walking next to me and she's all the way in the back of the group. Just still, she was, she didn't want to be anywhere near him. She was just really upset. And all of a sudden he goes flying forward and hits the ground. Something pushed him down to the ground and he got up and he started yelling at her. Why are you doing that? I was always joking and everything. And she's like, I'm not even anywhere near you. I'm all the way back here. I said, well, I guess the spirit, you pissed the spirits off a little by upsetting your girlfriend so that was that's really the most uh, aggressive that i've experienced you know i had the stone being thrown of course we tell people no provoking there you know respect the dead there's nothing negative nothing demonic there you know you can have some pissed off spirits specifically when it was a military prison in civil war you had civilians that were locked up in there these were just regular folks that were thrown in prison by lincoln Conditions were just horrific. So you had those deaths. We have a spirit that identifies himself as the judge. Him and I have like a love-hate relationship. It's Greg F.U. or F.U. Greg. That's how he greets me. He's just a very disgruntled individual. There was a judge that was sentenced to uh, Fort Mifflin. He was a major in the Pennsylvania militia. He was Jacob Wilhelm. And he was a sitting associate judge of the Court of Common Pleas of Clearfield County in Pennsylvania. And he opposed the war. And at that point in the 1863-64 time frame, if you opposed the war, you opposed Lincoln, they rounded you up and threw you in military prisons. Something that a lot of people don't know of. And tens of thousands of citizens were uh, locked up throughout the country. And so judge, he was a judge, Jacob Wilhelm. Yeah. I mean, that that makes sense. Even though that that spirit isn't necessarily like violent, they're angry. You can kind of encounter the whole gamut there from spirits that are completely fine and kind to some that are clearly in turmoil. And you're right. That's kind of the perfect example as to why you don't want to, A, assume you know who you're talking to when you're investigating, or B, you know, treat them disrespectfully because you don't know their story at all. Yep. And on his grave, it's, and now despoiled, he lives like windswept, leafless foes, a noble phantom, shade of what has been. You know, that was put on his tombstone. So wow. noble, noble phantom. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you kind of giving us a little bit of insight into the hauntings at Fort Mifflin, and I hope people will go visit. If people want to visit the fort or investigate the fort or do any ghost tours or anything, what do they need to do? Well, our website is fortmifflin.us. 
you go to the website and we have an event pull down. You can go and all the events that happen at the fort. We do reenactments. We have a jazz festival there. We have all kinds of different uh, activities that are there. And then there's a programs page and that's where the paranormal is. And you can go there and the information of what you need to do is all right there. That's great. It's really wonderful that they've kind of embraced that side of the fort too, because a lot of these historic locations that are, you know, government owned, they kind of steer away from it. But I think it is a just valuable for the public. And and I think a lot of fun, uh, especially to get younger people involved in history. And then B, it's a great revenue source for some of these really important locations, whether you believe in ghosts or not, I think it's doing a lot of good. And you've been involved for so long. So good for you. It's really great that you've been so closely involved with the fort this long. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know how it is. You can some places just pull you towards them. And the fort is somewhere a place that just pulled me in and and I'm there. So uh, yeah, we appreciate people coming out. It's 40 total acres there. We have a nature trail. There's more of the fort outside about a quarter mile down. I know you've never been down there. It's, uh, it was built in the late 1870s. There's gun batteries down along the river. There's casemates down there. So there's a lot of, uh, you can come out, just wander around. You don't have to worry about ghost spirits. You don't know the history. Walk the, you know, we have deer, fox. We have all kinds of wildlife, even though we're right by the airport. Right on the Delaware River, you can sit and watch the boats go by. Or you can look overhead and watch the airplanes. So there's lots to do. Well, I love that. It sounds like a wonderful day. So I clearly need to get back soon because I did not get to experience all that. So I'm putting it on the schedule. I appreciate it. Yeah, we we need you guys back. I like to have you back. Chris, I'd like to get back. Get her down in case made 11. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she would love that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we will chat again very soon. One of the things I love about Fort Mifflin is that it's a government-run site that does not at all shy away from its ghostly history. The fact that paranormal reports have been going on there since the late 1700s probably helps a great deal because you can't hide that. It's also a location where activity seems to happen day or night, whether you're looking for it or not. This is why, if you happen to be in the city of brotherly love and are looking for something new and different to do, I highly recommend a moment at the fort. It's so close to the airport, it's also a wonderful place to stop on your way out of town. Tell them I sent you, and also let them know I'd really like to come back and investigate soon. P.S. Good luck if you see the faceless man. I literally watched a seasoned investigator run out of the place after witnessing that for himself. Haunted Road is a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Menke. Haunted Road is hosted and written by me, Amy Bruni. Additional research by Taylor Hagerdorn. The show is edited and produced by Rima El-Kayali and supervising producer Josh Thane. And executive producers Aaron Menke, Alex Williams, and Matt Frederick. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. 
Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes Ryan Blake. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.